0: This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Kalstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Y'all glad to be here tonight? Thank you for coming and spending a few moments with us this evening as we look into the perfect law of liberty. Thank God for His Word. Amen. You know, I figure it this way. If I can go to a service and get one thing, I mean, just one thing, I mean, it'll be worth that whole whatever it is that we had to do in order to get here. Can you say Amen. So uh, it's always important, praise God for us. You know the Bible talks about the washing of the water of the Word, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of people need a bath. That was that was a joke, you know. Well, anyway, so uh, exposure, let's put it that way, to the Word is what's important for each and every one of us. You, you all right tonight? You everybody, did you not have supper, or what happened here? Yeah, it's kind of. Tough crowd I got going on here, honey. Start the car. Anyway, we'll just do the best we can. Let's open our Bibles this evening to, again, Ephesians chapter 5. I know that uh, Joan and I, we had uh, a little time away. Of course, we had to go to a craft fair. Hallelujah. And all the women said, glory. Glory. And all the men said, "Mm, yeah, amen. Well, anyway, it was great. We had a good time. Had a wonderful time, actually. And uh, I, I spent more money than my wife did. How about that? Now, she ended up with more items than I did. But I have a tendency to, I don't know. I don't even know why I'm talking about this. But anyway, uh, we had a great time. It's good to be back home and uh, that type of thing. So uh, you all enjoy Pastor Glenn last few Wednesday nights. Uh, I'm sure that's been uh, good for you and challenging as well. And uh, you need to be, we all need to be challenged, don't we? Amen. I mean, you know, praise God. Let's grow together, shall we? You know, whenever people grow, uh, well, you know, there can be some uh, corrections, uh, pain, (laughs) I don't know, whatever you want to call it, uh, that, that has to occur in order for us to get to where it is we want to go. Go to the next level and enjoy heaven's very best. So let's pray together. We'll get into what I want to share with you this evening. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you so much, Father God, for your holy written word The entrance of your word gives a light. It illuminates. And Father, this evening I'm just so grateful for what it is that you've done in your plan. Before the foundations of the world, Father, you ordained that we'd be here tonight. And not only that, Father God, but you made a way through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for us to have life and life more abundant. And so, Father, we're so grateful. Help us, each and every one of us, to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. But Father God, rather that as we behold wonderful things from your word, that Father will make an application of it within our lives, that, that we will put it into practice, because therein is the blessing. Hallelujah. When we become doers of the word, hallelujah. And so we just thank you, Father God, for that which you have provided for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Look with me. <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter 1, we've used this as our text. It's actually a prayer that Paul prayed. Two different prayers in this letter that Paul wrote to uh, the church there that was at Ephesus, but they are spirit inspired uh, prayers. And I want you to look carefully with me about how it is that he's praying. Because, uh, you know, the Bible's God speaking to us. Amen. We know that the word of God was given by, or, you know, the word was given by inspiration of God. And so here we have this record of a prayer that Paul was praying for the church there at Ephesus. But at the same time, you need to understand that God is the one who inspired Paul to pray this way. And, and not only that, it's important for us to understand what it is that's in the prayer, what it is that Paul is praying for, because it impacts you and I as believers. And so we need to be able to see that so that we can not only understand it, but appropriate it as it's been prayed. So notice with me in verse 15, he said, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith. Hallelujah. Everybody say, thank God for faith. Yeah, thank God for faith. When I heard of your faith, I began to pray, hallelujah, your love toward all the saints. I cease not to give thanks for you, in verse 16, making mention of you in my prayers. And this is how he prayed that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may first of all give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Number two, the eyes of your understanding having been enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And not only that, but what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And then finally, what is the exceeding greatness? The exceeding greatness. The exceeding greatness of his power or authority to or toward us Who believe. How many believers do I have here tonight? So Paul's praying, he's saying, I want you to get a revelation of the exceeding greatness of his power toward you who believe. Then he goes on to unpack that and, and show us an example of that as we go on to read here when he said, Which he wrought in Christ, hallelujah. When he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Notice this. Far above, everybody say far above. I mean, in other words, there is no, there's no comparison. There is no uh, neutrality at all. I mean, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Hallelujah! Did you know there's another world coming? Glory to God. Amen. Which And then and, and he goes on to say, and he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, hallelujah, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So when we read these scriptures, everyone, you realize, first of all, we're not talking about the natural realm in which you and I live in. We're talking about the spiritual realm, and we're talking about spiritual authority, And sometimes, you know, people don't have much of a grasp. They don't really try to wrap their head around spiritual things so much because, well, we live in this natural world. We're just trying to kind of do life here and figure all of this out. But the reality is, is that we have a relationship with a spiritual God. And we are spiritual beings, and he wants us to know about the realm in which he exists, and he wants us to function within that realm. In other words, actually, he wants us to appropriate our lives according to that realm so that it can impact the realm or the natural realm in which you and I live. But again, a lot of people, you know, they, they somehow or another that are, they're kind of at an impasse about really wanting to know and understand that. But again, let me say this to you. When Paul was writing, he said, when I heard of your faith, your love that you have toward all the saints, he said, the first thing I want God to do is give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So in other words, he wants you and I to understand, again, Who it is that our God is, what it is that our God has done, the place or the position that he has put us in, and not only that, but to function. But again, most Christians, they're really, um, especially in evangelicalism, they they don't even know they have been given any authority. They're just kind of going through the motions, and so they live without uh, victory within their lives. Thank God Jesus came to give us victory. He said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Hallelujah! So we come to know and understand that. And again, you know, these folks that maybe don't know, I mean, it isn't that they don't love God. They, surely, yeah, they certainly do. But the reality is, is that, you know, they, they haven't come to realize what it is that Christ has done for them and what it is that, 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 that belongs to them. So that's why we're here tonight. We want to find out, praise God, what it is that Jesus has done, and we want to walk in the light of it. Are you listening to me? And so that's why we talk about this and study this, and under, because we want to know what it is that's been done for us. So it's a positional truth that belongs to us. And what we want to do is we want to take that positional truth, what it is that God did through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, when He was um, when in His death, burial, and resurrection— his resurrection. He didn't come to this earthbound existence for himself. He came for you. He came for me. And what he did is he destroyed the works of the devil. He spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly and triumphed over them in it. When he rose from the dead, he said, All power or authority is given to me both in heaven and on earth. Now you go in my name. So there is no defeat in Christ. Hallelujah. There's only victory. And I know that, you know, we have challenges in our lives, and that, that's why we apply what it is that we're learning and, and talking about here this evening, so that, praise God, when we come up again, and surely you will, because the God of this world exists in this earth realm, And we have to deal with him, unfortunately. But the truth of the matter is, you got everything that you need. Hallelujah. Everybody say, yes, I do. Yeah, you got everything that you need to be able to do that because of what Jesus did for you. So tonight, I'm going to make an attempt, at least, if I don't get off on a bunch of rabbit trails, about... The practical side of exercising this authority. How how do we do that? I mean, how does that that function in the everyday nitty gritty world in which we we live? But but before we get to that point, I want again to emphasize this fact that God, again, he's the one who inspired this prayer. So we see the heart of God coming through it, and he wants the church to gain a revelation or an understanding of what has taken place through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And again, notice how Paul prayed in these verses that we just got done reading. Notice again, it says here that he would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him does anybody know what that means i mean what what does that mean revelation i mean what makes that different from from anything else well by definition revelation as it's referred to here is something that is supernaturally everybody says supernaturally supernaturally imparted from or in, it's supernaturally imparted information from god or heaven By the Holy Ghost to you, the church. Okay, let me say that again because I kind of mixed it up there a little bit. Supernaturally imparted information that comes from heaven by the Spirit of God to you and I, the church. In other words, it's stuff you come to know that the world has no clue about. Paul talked about this extensively, and we won't take time to go there. But in 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you read down in there, he says, a natural man receives not the things that are of the Spirit of God, because they're spiritually discerned. Well, when you're born again and the Spirit of God comes to indwell you, all of a sudden you you come to understand things that, that the world doesn't understand. They'll look at you like a calf at a new gate. What are you talking about? You know, even, for example, you know, when we talk about... Uh, Uh, being filled with the Spirit, speaking with other tongues. People get all, you know, they get all knotted up about it. Why? Because they don't understand it. They say it's gibberish, it's of the devil, it's whatever, you know, spooky. Well, it's not spooky if you understand it at all. As a matter of fact, it's a great blessing, and thank God for it. Amen. So these are the things that we come to understand. But again, it's supernaturally imparted information from heaven by the Holy Ghost to the church. Remember when Jesus inquired of his disciples, say, hey, who's everybody saying that I am? And they said, well, you know, you think you're John the Baptist raised from the dead? Herod was spooked a little bit about that whole deal. You remember that? OK, because you have to understand that they were not only a skeptical culture, but, but they were also very superstitious about so many things that they th- thought felt and, and 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 acted or believed let's put it that way. And so so he asked him who do people say that I am? And they said, "Well, they think you're one of the prophets." And then he asked a question, "But who do you say that I am?" Peter spoke right up and he said, "You are the Christ, the son of the living God." And Jesus responded by saying this, "Blessed are you, Simon son of Jonah, because now listen, Because flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And he went on then to uh, explain or say, it is upon this rock of revelation knowledge that people gain in their lives that I am going to build my church and the gates of heaven. See, when God speaks to you, the devil can't take it away. Are you listening to me? I mean, when you got it on the inside of you and it come from heaven, it's it's over. The battle is done. Can you say amen? And so he just said he said it's on this rock of revelation. That, but here's the thing, you know, you will not have a strong, healthy, forward moving church if people aren't receiving revelation from heaven. Are you listening to me? About who they are in Christ, what it is that he's done, the plan and purpose he has for them, and what it is that he has commissioned the church to do. If we're just going to, you know, play church, come to church, you know, have a little social kind of, you know, club or something of that nature, then nothing's going to happen. But if people are growing and learning and developing and following and pursuing the plan and the purpose of God for their lives, then things are going to happen. You know, when his purposes become ours, things begin to happen. Yes. Hallelujah. And so we have, you know, we, I've said this before, but we are without question kingdom agents within this world. And he wants to get his word in and on the inside of us so that we can be those instruments that he can use to make a difference in people's life. How many of you know that God has a plan for everybody's life? Amen. Hmm. How do you know that? I mean, do you know just, I mean, because I just got in asking you the question, you said, well, yeah, I guess so. No, you know now as a believer, you know that God has a plan for everybody's life. You know there's a lot of people out there that don't know that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that God had a plan for my life until somebody came along and said, hey, listen, you don't have to live your life this way. Jesus came and he died so that you could live. Well, if I make that st- or somebody makes that statement to me, uh, I, I, I might say, well, what do you mean live, dude? I'm alive. I'm living. And, but they're talking about something completely different than what I understand or know. Yeah. Isn't that right? And so they go on then to explain that Jesus makes it clear that we are sinners by nature in need of a Savior. And he said that if you'll call upon my name you can be saved. Well, I don't know what saved means. But they do. You do. You understand salvation, right? Well, how'd you come to know that? Because God made it clear on the inside of you what salvation is. But again, the sinner out there He doesn't, you know, he doesn't know. Now, what he does know is he understands uh, I'm not where I need to be. And I'm pretty clear about the fact that I'm messed up. But what they don't know is, is that Jesus came to fix their messed up life. You with me? So there are things that we know that the world doesn't know that has been revealed to us by the, I mean, there's, I mean, if we took time, you know, we could talk about all the things where you're going, you know, those aha moments Wow. Man, I never seen that. I didn't. Wow. Where'd that come from? Came from heaven. Are you listening to me? So anyway, uh, he wants us to get this revelation on the inside of us. The believer's authority was restored back to us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's when it all happened. And then thank God you and I, uh, as you know, in our generation discovered that reality. Hallelujah. And what it is that he did for us. But again, most Christians aren't even aware that they have authority. If anything is going, they they think this, if anything's going to change, then God's going to have to do it. Or if it doesn't change, then it must not be the will of God. Well, it's unfortunate because there are a lot of things that are going on in the world today that God has not authored in the lives of people. And the reason being is, is because of what we don't know, our ignorance of the word of God. But when you come to know the word, baby, everything changes. That you realize the devil is under your feet. You realize that he's no longer allowed to use you like a rug. The only weapon he has is deception. And if he can deceive you into thinking that you're no good that you are not worthy, that you're not good enough. You know, I mean, <clears throat> condemnation is a huge weapon that the devil uses against the body of Christ. We make some kind of mistake. We don't really understand the fact that, you know, that the, the, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You know, we're sorry for what it is. You know, there's a godly sorrow that works repentance, and then there's another sorry that people just got caught. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But if you've got a godly sorrow that works repentance in your life, God forgives and He forgets. Yes. And when He forgets, you need to forget. Yes. We're not perfect, He knows that. And thank God there is forgiveness with Him. The Bible says that if we will confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us, everybody say, thank you, Lord, thank you. from all, everybody say all, all of it, all unrighteousness. So when that takes place, the devil no longer has a hold over your life because we dealt with that before our Heavenly Father. But that's why the Bible refers to him. I should come over here. You guys, you're all over here by yourself. You know, he, he, the, the Bible refers to him as the accuser, of the brethren so he's going to accuse you of all kinds of things he may tempt you you know of different things that go you know that that come your way in your life but thank God you can resist you can resist the devil and you can do as Jesus said get thee behind me Satan is not that right resist the devil and he will what flee from you But if you don't resist him, and let's talk about that a little bit more. Let's just, you know, unpack this a little further. When it comes to this whole condemnation thing, you got to resist the devil. Don't let him use your brain for a garbage can. The Bible says, there is therefore now... No condemnation in Christ Jesus, no condemning sentence in Christ Jesus for those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, listen, for the law of the spirit of life has made me free. Everybody say, I'm free. I'm free. Yeah, you're free. The devil, you know, he'll, he'll lie. You're not free. I mean, you're not free. I mean, you're not free. Well, yeah, I am free. And when you get a revelation that you are free, then his day is over. Hallelujah. For the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. He's got nothing on you. Hallelujah. And thank God you can walk in the light of his word and be blessed. Now, if you're going to be carnal and live in the world, one foot in the world, one foot in the church, well, then you've got a whole nother problem that you've got to deal with. And that's not our subject tonight. Amen. So it's important for us to understand this. And, uh, and, and, and again, the thing you have to understand is, is there are some things that you have to resist. Huh? Resist the devil, and he will... Fool. Well, God, how come you're not this? How come you're not that? You know, everybody's wanting to lay it off on him. Well, what do we need to do? Oh, okay, thank you. Praise the Lord. Everybody gets excited about it when, when we start uh, talking about our responsibility. You know, we have some, but what a joy. I mean, what a, what a grand privilege. What an absolute honor it is to represent him in, in this world. Hallelujah. As he is, so are we in this world. And so thank God we can resist the devil and he will flee. Glory to God. And we can put the devil on the run in people's lives. Now, there's jurisdiction. Um, <laughs> how long do you have? Can we stay till midnight? You know, <clears throat> sometimes people try to exercise authority in places where they have none. And then when it doesn't work, they just throw the whole thing out and say, you know, well, that don't work. Well, it does work. There's, I I probably need to explain this since I just brought it up anyway, but uh, let's talk about spiritual jurisdiction, okay? And what I mean by that is, is that there there are really three authorities in the world, okay? There's God, there's Satan, and there's you, or man, we could say, Okay? There's God, there's Satan, and there's man. You know, for example, the Bible makes we all know God has authority over all things, right? He created everything. But you know, then there's Satan who is the god of this what? world. Now, now he's not the god of the world itself in the context of the physicality, because the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything on this earth belongs to God, not the devil. When it says that he's the God of this world, it's talking about the God of this world's system, okay? The functionality of the system that is in the world. You are seeing it personified, in all of the things that are going on in the world today. Hell is behind it all. And it is intended for no reason or purpose other than to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But thank God he said, I came that you might have life, So we can walk in the light, and that's again another subject. But notice, again, he said he's the God of this world system. Um, Remember when Jesus was tempted... Went to the wilderness, he was tempted, he came back. And when he come back, one of the temptations he experienced that that the devil approached him with is he said to him, he said, all this power, all this authority. Okay, are you with me? All this power will I give to you and the glory of them. Now listen to this, for that is delivered unto me And to whomsoever I will, I give it. So if you will worship me, all of it will be yours. Now, that couldn't be a temptation unless it was true. Huh? Mm -hmm. And notice he said all this power, all this authority. You say, well, who's the Antichrist? Listen, dude, you don't have to worry about it. He'll he'll show up when he comes. There are a lot of Antichrists. I mean, you can see them on television every day. They are anti-Christ. Are you with me? So, so it's, it, what's important for us to understand in the context of this is that the devil approached Jesus and he said, I'll give it all to you. How did he get it? He got it from Adam. When Adam, tr- you know, transgressed against the commandment of God, he, he opened the door to the devil. And then we took on the nature of sin and, and actually the nature of the devil. You know, Jesus said, you are of your father, the what? The devil. So people that don't know Christ, that haven't been washed in the blood, the God of this world, Satan, is their God, even though they don't even know it. Some of them, you know. But that, again, is another subject for some other time, perhaps. But I want you to see that he said, all this power or authority will I give to you in the glory of them, all the kingdoms. He showed him all of the kingdoms of the world. See, the Bible makes it clear that there are principalities and there are powers. There are rulers of the darkness of this world that are manipulating the minds of men and making them do things and and causing them to, you know, react and respond the way that they do. They're being controlled not by the Spirit. That's why the world hates America. That's why we are the one with the target on our back, because we represent the kingdom of God. Same thing's true with the church. You know, hell is doing everything that it can to snuff out light, because it wants to bring into the world its darkness. So there's God, there's Satan, and then there's you and me. Hallelujah. Everybody say, glory. Yeah, glory to God. I'll give you some examples of this. Jesus, um, when he began his earthly ministry, we're talking about authority or spiritual jurisdiction. When he showed up on the, on the planet, hell got nervous. So much so that Herod, as an instrument of Satan, did everything that he could to destroy Jesus. When he was born into this earth realm, you know, all the babies that died as a result of Herod's uh, edict, you know, to go and kill them all. And we see it happening. You know, you talk about abortion. You know, people wrestle about this, dude. It's from hell. They are killing the unborn. They are killing. It's simple. And it's, it's a doctrine of the devil in every way, shape, and form. You know, and they'll argue all these points and a a person's right. And, you know, I I say it this way. You talk about a person's right. What about that child's right? Thank God my mother didn't decide to be an abortionist. And yours, too. You know, people are they're clueless. They have lost their minds. Why? Because of what I want. How dare you, you know, intrude upon my rights well, if you weren't immoral, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But we don't talk about morality. But immorality is destroying our country. Are you listening to me? You know, <laughs> when the Bible says, be holy for I am holy, it, it doesn't mis- mince words. That's the way it's supposed to be. Amen. And, and really, that's where the blessing is. I said that's where the blessing is. And I'm getting off my subject quite a bit here, and it's all your fault. Praise the Lord. Jesus, when he began again his earthly ministry, Herod tried to take, kill him. But, but when he started, when he came back, the Bible says he came back in the power or the authority of the Spirit of God. Yes. And, and his, many of his encounters, they, they came and said, we know who you are. Or have you come to torment us before the time? Why? Because he had jurisdiction over them, and they knew it. You know, his word was with power. It was with authority. Even the devils, you know, obey him. Are you with me? He had this jurisdiction. You know, there's nothing more powerful than God. And he was the son of God, and hell knows it. So there is that dynamic that Jesus had. Then when he called his disciples, he said, you know, the harvest is great. The labors are few. We read this, I think, probably (laughs) six weeks ago. But uh, in Matthew chapter 10, it says he called to him his 12 disciples and he gave them. Now, listen, he gave them the, the King James says power, huh? power. Well, it's actually the word authority. So he, he deputized them, if you want to call it that. He invested in them his authority. And he went on, it goes on to say, he gave them power or authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, isn't that interesting that Jesus gave these disciples authority to heal the sick? Sickness and disease is not from heaven. Sickness and disease is not from God. But you know, there are a lot of folks that don't know that. They're confused about it. But there is in no way, shape, or form how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power and went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of who? The devil. Huh? Why? Because God was with him. So he had this jurisdiction, and he's conferring it to these disciples against these things. And then 12, Jesus sent them forth, and he commanded them to go and do this and that and the other. And he said, as you go preach, saying that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you've received, freely give. Now, we're not going to take time, but in Luke chapter 10, when he realized that he had sent the 12 out, so he's got six pair of them, you know, that are out there doing the thing. Then he, he authorized, basically, deputized another 70, so he's got 35 more teams that he was sent out. And he, he, he told them basically the same thing. Wherever it was that he was going, he sent them ahead of him. He said, get them ready. But you do the works of Jesus. Tell them the kingdom of God is here. Hallelujah. So when they came back, Listen, listen, when they came back, the Bible says they came back, dude, and and they were excited with joy. They said, even the devils are subject, 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 subject to us through your name. So he gave them his name. In other words, they were then, they had a jurisdiction to Cast out devils, heal the sick, so on and so forth. And praise God that commission has never changed, Amen. Don't ever be afraid to pray for the sick. Lay your hands on them. Pray they these signs will follow them. That what believe? How many believers we got here? Well, lay hands on them in the name of Jesus. You say, well, what if they don't get healed? What if they do? What if they do? I said, what if they do? It doesn't make any difference whether they do or they don't. Praise God. You just obey God. Yes. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? So, so, um, y'all glad you came tonight? I'm having have a good time parent, uh, sharing this. Now there's you. So we talked about God, the Lord Jesus. You know, we talked a little bit about the devil and, and uh, his jurisdiction because he does have it. And then, um, but but when you are in Christ, if any man be in Christ... He's a new creation. That's what gives you authority over Satan and all of his cohorts. Hallelujah. And this, for you as a believer, what did Jesus say? He said, verily I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. Now listen to this, and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. He gave us his name. Hallelujah. To tread upon serpents, scorpions, and over all the authority of of the devil. So when the devil shows up, and we'll talk again here in a moment about the practicality of that, but the way that we exercise this authority is through the name of Jesus, and also walking in obedience to his word. If You you can't live in sin and expect the power of God to flow in your life. okay, The devil will not listen to you. Why? Because you're disobedient, and you don't have jurisdiction, even though God has given it to you. Does that make sense to you? So, so now, you know, thinking about this, um, where can this authority be exercised? Um, so uh, we're still talking about, I want, because again, a lot of times people will try to exercise authority where they don't have any business. I mean, I can't get in, you know, in the middle of Jeff's stuff. I don't, you know, it's not like I can go to his house, you know, and he and Candace are there and say, and I say, you know what? I don't like the way this house looks. You know, I, I want the furniture changed. I want to, you know, about two seconds of that, and guess what? I'd be in trouble, huh? Why? Because it's not my stuff. It's their stuff. And, and they're doing it the way they want to do it. Are you listening to me? Now, unless, unless they call me and say, hey, Pastor, would you come over here? We got a problem. We just really don't know what to do, and we'd like to get your recommendation. They probably wouldn't want to call me, okay? I'm just saying. Maybe an interior decorator might help them a little bit more than I'd ever be able to. But you understand that, you know, you can't exercise authority in places where you have no authority. Are you with me? But when it comes to you and your house, when it comes to your personal life, you know, think about it. See, people don't realize that just as there are natural laws in this natural world, there are spiritual laws in the spirit spirit world. For the law of the spirit of life, the law of the spirit of life. The Bible talks about the law of faith. You know, so there are laws in this unseen realm that we talk about or refer to as the spiritual realm. But, but again, to get our head wrapped around it, just look at it, you know, from a natural standpoint, you know, there, there's, there's the law of gravity. I just went, you know, to the doctor the other day and gravity had its effect on this Scale. And I'm thinking to myself, and, and you know, when you go into these doctor's offices, they don't have some little tiny scale you get on. Dude, they got a, it's like if you want to weigh cattle. You know, it's about three feet by three feet. And I'm thinking, dear God, you know. And so I get up on this thing, and sure enough, gravity takes over, Huh? Well, you know, gravity is a natural law. You go crawling up on the top of this roof up here, I think it's about 30 feet tall, and you just say, "Well, I'm going to defy gravity, by golly, and I'm just going to whoop, Take the jump. Well, get ready. Because there's a terminal velocity I think the terminal velocity, if you have enough distance, you get to go in about 125 mile an hour. And guess what? You don't want to hit the laws of physics say, uh, you don't want the ground underneath you. But you know what I'm saying? Electricity, same kind of thing, you know, man. Electricity, there, there are laws you know, that. It, and again, I, I don't, I'm not an electrician, you know, I don't call, run around calling me Sparky or anything like that. But you know, it can really be a blessing to you, or it can kill you. Are you with me? So you better learn what it is, what the if you want to call it jurisdiction of that is, Aerodynamics. Same kind of thing, you know. We jump in a plane, we go flying. You say, "How's that work? Well, there's a law. What is that, Bertinelli or Bernoulli? Bernoulli? Yeah, whatever. That guy. He, he, he discovered it because, you know, a, a wing on a plane is flat on the bottom, but it's, it's curved on the top. And so when it's going through the air, it changes the pressure as that air is going over that, and it causes it to lift, And you have, away we go. So in our plane, I don't know what it is, I think it's 14.2 pounds per square foot on this wing. And so we can take 14.2 pounds, multiply it by however many square feet there are on those wings, and by golly, we can fly up to a certain weight. Okay, now can we put more weight in the plane and fly it than that? Well, you can, but all of a sudden thing, you're, you're messing with aerodynamic law. Are you with me? And a lot of guys, they do, they do this. Man, they'll haul stuff around. They're way overloaded and this and that. Well, the frame, again, is created only for whatever it is that this thing's rated for. Can you do that? Yeah, you can. But, you know, if you keep doing that and you stress the, 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 the structure of that plane over time, you may end up where you don't want to be. OK, so there are laws that govern. And, and, and you know, um, I'm trying to think of the guy's name, Stephen. Uh, he wrote a book, The Richest Man That Ever Lived. I can't remember. And he talks about the laws of living. And he just basically says that in the word of God, there are laws of living. And you can either get in step with them or not. And he says, "The thing about it is you need to realize, is, is that these laws, they exist, whether you believe it or not. It's just like, again, aerodynamics, you may, well, no one was intended to fly. Well, look what's going on, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't make any difference whether you believe it or not. They exist, and they will either be, be a blessing to you or they'll be a curse. huh? So now we're, we're move back here to this other aspect about spiritual jurisdiction and what it is that we have. You remember, uh, well, let's just go over there quick. Um, turn over to Acts, the Acts of the Apostles and chapter 19, talking about who and where can this authority that we have be exercised. Now Jesus, gave his disciples authority. Now, this is before the new birth. This is before being born of the Spirit of God, but he gave them his name. And so hell recognized, disease recognized them. The devil recognized them, and they obeyed because Jesus, or God, the Son of God, had given them the authority. But now let's go to this verse of Scripture here in Acts chapter 19, verse 13. And certain of the, um, you could call them vagabonds or itinerant Jews, they went around. Again, you remember I told you that during this this era, the culture was filled with uh, skepticism and a lot of um, superstition. I mean, and so these these knotheads, they're going running around, you know, making a living off of uh, people's ignorance, basically. Okay? So they were... um, uh, vagabond or itinerant Jews, exorcists that took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus. So, in other words, they're making their living out of making merchandise out of people. Okay? And um, notice it says here, uh, it says that they, they took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. So they'd seen him cast out devils, and he, they had seen him set the captive free. They had seen people be delivered under the ministry of Paul. So they said, We want to use the name whom Paul preaches, the name of Jesus whom he preaches. And there were seven sons of one Sceva Jew, uh, one of the chief priests that were doing this. Verse 15, And the evil spirit answered, and they said, Paul, I know. How many of you know the devil knows you? Huh? He said, Paul, I know, and Jesus, I know, but who are you? Now they're in trouble. Why? Because they had no right to or jurisdiction to use the name of Jesus. All right? All they were doing was using it, you know, for their own advantage and so on and so forth. And then it goes on to say... And verse 16, and the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them, prevailed against them, so that they, these seven men, fled out of that house naked and wounded. (laughs) It's kind of funny, you know. Man, I just put the hurt on all of them. Are you listening to me? And then, of course, you know, this was known by the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell on all of them. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Hallelujah. So, um, interestingly enough, what my point to that is, is they didn't have a use to the name of Jesus. But you do. I said you do. I said you do. Why? Because you're God's child. And Jesus has given you that name. Hallelujah. So you certainly have authority in your own life over anything that represents something that is against the will of God. See, when, when you read the word and you find out what his will is for your life, then anything that, that goes against that is a violation of the covenant that he's made with you. So you take authority. You say, no, you don't. You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, for example, the Bible says in, in Galatians chapter 3 and 13, Christ has redeemed us. Everybody say, I'm redeemed. Yes, he's redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Why? So that the blessing, everybody say the blessing. Yeah, the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, that you and I might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So I want you to notice in that 13th verse, Christ has, not going to, he has. Everybody say, I'm redeemed. I'm telling you what, praise God, you're redeemed. Not only are you redeemed, you've been delivered. Everybody say, I've been delivered. delivered. You've been delivered. The the devil has no authority over you in any way, shape, or form. He is a liar. One more verse of Scripture real quickly. Go over to Colossians chapter 1 and look at this verse with me. This will get you excited, if nothing else will. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12. Giving thanks. Hallelujah. Giving thanks. We ought to do a bit more of that, everyone. I said, we ought to do a bit more of that. We ought to praise God, pause, and give thanks to God more often, perhaps, than when we do, or than what we do. But he said, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet, the King James, uh, uh, maybe it says Abel has made us, know uh, uh, the, the New King James may, may say Abel. Uh, you know another translation, I like this. It says, giving thanks to the Father which has qualified us, hallelujah, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who has delivered us from the authority or power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom, hallelujah, of his dear Son. So thank God I'm no longer a part of the, the world, and I don't want to be. Hallelujah. Why in the world would I want to go back to the hog trough? I mean, thank God I've been delivered. And I don't have to go under all of the things that, you know, the world is living in and the hell that they have in their lives, the strife, the hatred, the bitterness, the jealousy, all of the things that are associated with the God of this world that is intending for only one reason to kill, steal and destroy, ruin people's lives. And that's why Jesus gave us the gospel and said, you go in my name and tell people they don't have to live. Live that way anymore if they'll give their authority or come under or surrender to my lordship. It's huge. Hallelujah. You know, when the devil came for Jesus, he said, He has nothing in me. He's gotten, give the devil no place. Isn't that what the scriptures say? So thank God you got to live right and you got to do right, and I'm telling you this much about it. It's worth it. Hallelujah. But let's talk about one more thing, and then we're going to close. It's only 804, so don't panic. But fear. The Bible says that God has not given you the spirit of fear. But you know, a lot of folk are bound by fear. People are troubled about all kinds of things. And the Bible says that we'll live in troublous times, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. But we don't do the uh, be of good cheer thing. We just worry and we're afraid. You say, what in the world's going to happen? Now, again, you know, a lot of people are hanging their hat on the political outcome of this thing that's coming up in the midterms. Dude, forget it. The devil will come up with something else. Trust me. And well, no, I don't need to go there. I'm just saying you can't push put your trust in that. You have to put your trust in him. And, and that's not like, well, wow, man, I mean, that's kind of a stretch, isn't it? No, it's not a stretch at all. It's not a stretch at all. I'm telling you, he said that he would take a father's place and he would take care of you. And that's all you need to know. Father, what would you have me to do? I'm just going to obey you. Hallelujah. But fear is something that doesn't or shouldn't have a place in the life of the believer. Because he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. What's the next one? Love. And what's the next one? Sound. Sound mind. So if you need to, fear is coming against you, tempting you, you know, to respond this way or that. You can just say, thank you, Lord. You have not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You know, people say, well, I'm just afraid. You ever heard that? That right there needs to be removed from your vocabulary. Don't preface nothing with I'm just afraid. Okay? Now, if you have been, listen, there ain't no condemnation here. What we're doing here is we're identifying a problem. And we're saying, okay, we we got to get this fixed. So how do we do that? We have this large, huge infusion of the living Word of God. Large quantities overdosing. You know, they have these places, you know, where you can go and get infusions. How many of you ever heard of that? You know, you got deficiencies and things like that, so they stick a, a IV in you for 30 minutes and get you all juiced up. And, you know, 36 hours later, you're just running on all eight cylinders, right? Well, that's the idea. Well, what is that? It's 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 a It's a charging, if you want to call it that, of your system with whatever it is that, you know, you have need of so that you can come at. So when we deal with these fear issues, the first thing we need to do is we need to recognize, you know, dude, what am I doing here? Why am I allowing myself to be controlled by something that God has not given to me? So now i got to go and i got to plug myself into the charger and i got to come to understand what it is that God says about me instead of what it is the devil's trying to tell me. No, he's not giving me the spirit of fear. Praise God. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm going over, not under. Thank God Jesus is Lord. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And thank God he lives on the inside of me and he's going to put me over. Hallelujah. You know, and so these are the kinds of things that need to come up, you know, where our life is concerned, our lives are concerned. There is no fear in love. God is what? Love. So it says there is no fear in love, but perfect love or completed love, uh, perfected love casts out fear. When you know that God loves you, dude, you don't care. You know, as a kid growing up, I never worried about all this stuff. Why? Because I'm in, the, in my father's care, in my mother's care. They're, they're the ones worrying about all this. I'm not worrying about it. Why? Because I, I, I pull myself up, put my feet up underneath their table. Seems to me that every night, you know, we had something to eat. I never thought about what are we going to eat. You know, none of that. How many of you understand where I'm coming from? Huh? Now, some of the stuff I had to eat might not have been that much fun, but, you know, Hallelujah. Liver and onions. Yeah. Some people go. Yeah. Well, some people turn their nose up uh, to that. You know, there was. And and my dad, man, I mean, you didn't turn your nose. I mean, I don't care what it was. When it when it was on the table, you better get happy. I would have to ask my mother before I had a guest over, you know, like an overnight, somebody overnight what we were having for supper because one time I had somebody as an overnight for supper, and whatever it is that we had, they didn't like, and they turned their no- And my dad went nuts. I thought, well, this is really a warm fuzzy moment, <laughs> because you just didn't do that. You know, we used to have tongue sandwiches. You know, some people, you know, going, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, there was just all kinds of stuff. I mean, I, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Where was I? I <laughs> John's going, I don't know, but move on. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, <clears throat> oh, yeah, I wasn't worried about anything. You know, always seemed to find something somewhere. Praise God. So the Bible says there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. That's all it's designed to do is try. My God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to I tell you what's going to happen? Jesus is coming. You know? You say, "Well, that seems a little lame." No, praise God, I'm telling you it's the most wonderful thing that I've ever thought about. It's a simple fact, praise God, that I am in my Father's care. There is nothing that the world and hell, the devil or anybody else can do to me say, yeah, but they can kill you. Great. They just did me a favor. You know what I'm saying? You know, when you know, uh, yeah. Hallelujah. Well, anyway, I don't have time to do that. Let me read this scripture, you guys. Come on. So fear has torment. He that fears is, is not perfected in love. The Lord is on my side. I will not, what's the next word? Fear. The Lord is on my side. So, you know, when fear comes, you say, hey, no, uh-uh, devil, the, the Lord is on my side. Have you read the scripture lately? The Lord's on my side. I'm not gonna fear. What can man do to me? Hallelujah. Amen. What the devil, you know, those three guys, those Hebrew guys, you know, when they wanted to get them to uh, bow down, they said, no, we're not going to do that. Our God's going to deliver us. And even if he does not we still ain't going to, you know, (laughs) bow down to some ignorant piece of whatever you got out of a foundry somewhere. Huh? Hallelujah. They had it. They understood it. The Bible says you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself, himself actually, bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs. And if we are heirs, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Hallelujah. So everybody say it together. The Lord Lord. is on my side. If God be for me, who can be against me? Glory be to God forevermore. Can you say amen? Why don't you stand with me? I'll keep preaching if you don't. Hallelujah. It's already 815. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Aren't you glad for Jesus tonight? Huh? Come on now. Don't go to sleep on me yet. You got to drive home, so you might as well stay awake for a little bit longer anyway. We don't want you to go to sleep when you Yeah, You got that. When you're driving, roll the windows down. All right, lift one hand up toward heaven, let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight for every person. Here within the sound of my voice, those watching online, so grateful for what it is that you provided for us. You have not given us the spirit of fear. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come against the spirit of fear, Father, that somehow or another may be trying to, to impact the lives of these that are here tonight or, again, those that are watching online. We take authority over them in the name of Jesus, this spirit of fear, and we command you to cease and desist in every one of their lives in the name of Jesus Christ. And, Father God, I thank you for imparting your power to each and every person here tonight Father, hallelujah, for the purposes that you have in this world in which we live. Thank you, Lord, for your glory in the houses, in the homes, in the lives of these your people. Thank you for the peace of God that passes all understanding, Father, as it permeates every aspect of their lives, their homes, their relationships, Father. We thank you, Lord God, for your divine grace and your peace in every one of our lives. And so, Father, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. God bless you. Listen... um, I'm not kidding you, you know, when you you have the temptation to be afraid or disconcerted, anxious, anything of that nature, man, you need to get on your game and say, devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. God's not, you know, giving those thoughts to you, huh? He's he's not driving, you know, these kinds of things and attempting to push them into your lives to bring consternation. Dude, he's the God of peace. So they have to be coming from someplace else. So find out who you are. Fill up your cup. Glory to God. Be like David. When the the moment came, he said, hey, let no man's heart fear. I'm your guy. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Let's be more than conquerors through him that loved us because that's what we are. And let's just put the devil on the run and say, no, you, you're not welcome here. You're not going to bring consternation. You're not going to bring worry. You're not going to bring, you know, fear. You're not going to bring any anxiety where my life is concerned because God is on my side. Hallelujah. Amen. You say, yeah, but man, my brain works overtime. Well, you just got to work something else a little harder. Huh? Amen. If the iron be blunt and you do not wet the edge, then more uh, force has to be applied. But wisdom brings success. Let me say that a different way to you: If your knife is dull and you don't sharpen it, it takes a whole lot more work for you to cut through whatever it is you're trying to get through. But wisdom brings success. So what's the what's the deal? Sharpen your knife, dude. It makes your life a whole lot easier, amen? You know, my kids all the time, they tell me, and I'm going to take the offering, so just relax here. But my kids, my, my son told my grandson, he says, you got to be careful of uh, grandpa's shovels. And he says, why is that? He says, because they're sharp and they'll cut you. Well, I figure it this way, dude. I might as well have a sharp shovel. Most people, they buy a shovel from, you know, bomb guards. They take it out in the weeds someplace and start trying to dig with it. Dude, it's got a blunt edge on it. Put an edge on that thing. Why? Because it'll make your life a whole lot easier, man. If you're cutting with a sharp instrument, life is better. Well, the same thing's true spiritually speaking. Hallelujah. Let's, Let's put an edge on our life so that when the devil comes, we can say, Dude, you do not want to mess with this. Huh? then praise God, you know, it's like, like a sharp two-edged sword. The word of God, amen? All right, I got to quit. You want to take up an offering? I do. Let's receive an offering.